0: I um, I'm I'm like some of you, but probably not like most of you. Uh, I get really nervous when we start talking about haunted uh, houses. I was uh grew up in the era of uh, Jason and Freddy Krueger and uh, Friday Thirteenth, and that was probably like the first uh, nightmare series I saw, and the last. I'm good. I don't like being scared. It ain't my cup of tea. How did the baby start climbing up the wall? Uh Uh-uh, I ain't ain't in it, I ain't with it. And so when friends would like say, all right, we gonna do this fun thing together. We gonna go to a haunted house. I'm like, cool, you know, we gonna go. Inside, I'm like, where are we going? Okay, so I'm, I'm a little tall, dark-skinned, so I'm supposed to be able to protect everybody. We all go together, you know, uh, go into the hunted house, and they, we got a little bit of rules. Okay, hey, listen. All right, girls is going to kind of go in the back. Guys is going to go in the front, and we just going to hold each other, and we're going to make it through the hunted house together. We just going to hold each other. So I'm like, cool, because I'm not in the front. So as long as I can hold somebody in front of me Y'all can do whatever y'all got to because I ain't worried. I ain't letting go. (laughs) We good. We start getting in. Lights, you see oh, little bitty baby clowns, little bitty, you know, squirrels that look kind of weird. And slowly but surely, the light starts getting a little bit less. We get to a point where now I can't see anything in front of me. All I'm doing is, holding on to the back of the person in front of me. And when it was light, it was little bursts of air that come out, little stuff. But when it gets dark, you start feeling somebody touching you. They got speakers right by you. Before you know it, you you actually have no idea, no sense of which way is right. And the person in front of me got the nerve to run. How you going to leave me, bruh? <laughs> you know? Yeah, he going to get it later. So now I am lost. I am thrown all off, y'all, and, and, and I have no longer a sense of what to do. Fear has taken me over. And this is somewhat of the sense that we enter into this book of Hebrews, this this chapter 4. This chapter 4 is is building off of chapter 3, where the people of God have been smacked with persecution. They've been hit hard with persecution, and it has led over time to them questioning, where is he? Where, Where is this Jesus? Where is this God? And chapter 3 helped us understand the importance of keeping our focus on Christ and us exhorting one another because it only takes a second and we can be in a space of unbelief. We can have hearts that are, are not believing in the God that showed up and showed out again and again, and we can get short with him and say, but I need you right now. I need you right now, this moment. Forget everything in the past. I need you right now. And so today as we dive in, we dive into the God's word connecting to the people of God. Understanding that we too find ourselves sometimes discombobulated, sometimes feeling a little bit lost, sometimes a bit scared. And the Lord wants to provide us rest in the midst of that. Will you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4? Hebrews chapter 4. Chapter four. And my computer is acting up, so I'm just going. Hebrews chapter four. And we're going to read the first thirteen verses. It says, therefore. While the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not unified by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Verse 1 says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. We're going back and we're understanding that that this is connecting back to chapter 3. Therefore, Therefore, don't have an unbelieving heart. Therefore, don't be lulled into a sleep that would allow you to not experience all that God would have. Therefore, don't miss out on the opportunity to experience God's rest. There's a promise that is given so that we might be able to enter into his rest. And that promise still stands, he's saying. He said, but let us fear. Fear, fear, fear is this term that some uh, hold on to when you see one description of fear that tells us not to fear man. Not to trust in the power of man because God is over it all. That's a fear that we're not supposed to have. But this fear is actually one of reverence, one of awe, one where you say, hold up, there's an authority there, and that authority I need to listen to, I need to submit to. That authority is worth me lining my life up to. I um, have been blessed to have two fathers. I only say stepdad so that y'all would know, um, but my stepdad, I don't refer to him as my stepdad, I refer to my biological and step both as my dad's. And my stepdad uh one day we were talking, and uh you know how like like at some point you as a kid, think that you're an adult, but you're still in a kid body, so you think you can tell an adult something disrespectful, and they' supposed to they're supposed to listen <laughs> yeah yeah you ever you ever had that one moment where you just like swell up like, oop, did that come out, did I just talk back like that did I just uh- so I don't remember what I said. I, I said something to my dad. And it was one of those things where like, yeah, cause I said so. Next thing I knew, my foot was behind my neck, my hand was over. Like, like, what, what just happened? And it was like this, this like man, like grown man strength, let me know, like, you don't, you don't want to do that no more, son. You you don't wanna do that. And 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 what it did though, it caught me in that moment but it also checked me for moments to come. I knew that moment, okay, don't say that no more, but when it swelled up in me, it would be like, you know what, I remember my foot behind my head. <laughs> it, it would check me, it would keep me, and, and God is saying, hold up, I am the one who has created you. I made you. You should fear me. Because no one else can destroy your soul. No one else is responsible for creating you. No one else loves you like I do. But my love is powerful. And so is my wrath. So have a holy reverence of me. Have an awe of me. Put me in the right position. I'm not a little friend. So when I say something, when I speak, when I give you guidance, when I give you laws, when I give you truth, the way you demonstrate a holy reverence is through obedience. Show me. And so here we see that therefore while the promise of entering his rest still stands, he says, let us fear. Let us fear is like let us obey. Let us get in line. Let us do as God would expect us to do because we don't want any of you to fail reaching it. None of you, verse 4, fail reaching it. Continue with me. Verse 2. Verse 2. There was a a man named um, Thomas Carlyle. He said, show me the man or the woman that you honor, and I will know the kind of man or woman that you are. Show me the person that you revere, that you, that you see as, as one that is awesome and that you give high regard, high respect to, high honor to. And it speaks a lot about, about you. Let us fear this, this God. Continue with me in verse 2. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not unified by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in the passage, they shall not enter my rest rest. He says good news. It's good news. What's the good news? The good news is even though the people of God in the Old Testament had hardened hearts, had unbelieving hearts, we can experience a pliable heart. We don't have to have unbelieving hearts, an unbelieving faith that for you and I and for the people of God that were experiencing persecution, they did not have to Have an unbelieving walk. You got to remember, rest in the Old Testament was a little bit different. When I say to you, hey, you're going on vacation, you plan to get rest, what comes to mind? A hammock. Maybe a a long ride to an Airbnb where you get to get get away. Maybe it's an airplane flight to some place where you're going to be walking on some sandy beaches. What's rest to you? Maybe it's like, no, Pastor, I don't need all that. I just need three days of being in my bed, straight up in my bed. No, I can, just, I can wake up and go back to sleep if I want to. Whatever it is, you have a, a, a this century, this day mindset of what rest is, and that can be an aspect of rest. But here he's connecting back to the people of God in the Old Testament people of God that came out of slavery, that's walking, not knowing what is going to come next, just knowing that they are protected by God. And God's saying, the restful place, the place where you don't have to worry about predators, the place where you don't have to worry about animals or other kingdoms trying to take advantage of you, the place where you can actually experience peace is Canaan. And I want you to know that I have a place designed for you, the place of rest, is one where you are just trying to get there. I'm trying to trust you, God, and I want to get there. And instead, there were people who stopped trusting God. stop trusting God, but still want to get there. Isn't it, isn't it weird that, that you want to get to Canaan, you want to get to this place of peace, you want to get to this Place where you know we can finally rest, but you want to change from God's approach to get there. We see that today. We see people wanting to have God's peace, but don't want to have anything to do with God. People want you know, godly looking families where there's beautiful uh, celebration of one another. They want, they want communities that are safe, where there's different people and cultures doing life together. All, all of those things are like Bible truths, right? Like God wants families to be whole. He wants many nations doing life together. Like there's, there's so many biblical things that you'll see that are DNA of who we are. And yet people don't want to have anything to do with God. And so we see here that God's trying to provide rest. Rest, it says, for the wilderness generation referred to the promised land in Canaan. The Israelites would be secure, secure from enemies and would no longer have to wander. One of the uh, commentators writes, but I love that, that that some of us need a, uh, a reminder that rest isn't just something given to us, it's actually something that we get a choice in. Here are these different versions described when you hear rest. Because rest, if I can give you a definition, it means to experience peace, to be still, to be quiet or calm. The ESV says, Rest, a a phrase of rest would be, be still before the Lord. The NIV says the same, be still before the Lord. The CSB says, be silent before the Lord. The NLT says, be still in the presence of the Lord. Notice all of them require something of you. To experience God's rest, or to be still in the Lord, you gotta choose to be still. It's kinda difficult, right? In a, in, a, in a world where things are coming around you, where it's at times moving forward can feel like you are in the dark, and there's so many outside forces coming at you, and God is saying, To experience rest, I want you to be still, be silent. Isn't that kind of contrary to what you are prone to do? When I fear more things coming at me, I get, I get anxious and I want, I want to problem solve everything. Be still. But wait, 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 I'm spinning the tops, Lord, and if I, if I stop spinning the tops, one of them is going to fall. Be still kind of a continual part of the gospel where the Lord says, will you trust my way over your own? Rest in me. Can we rest without choosing rest? Can rest be forced upon you? Can you actually experience like wholeness and restoration and have absolutely nothing to do with it? I don't believe the Hebrew writers would say that. I think he keeps this tension between God doing it all and you responding in all faithfulness. This tension between God moving our hearts and waking us up and also to us responding and being still. Him offering rest and us taking advantage of it. But we see what was their demise. Look with me in verse... Mm-hmm. Y'all know, it's, it's Bible study time. Look with me in verse 2. What was the thing that was demised, the demise of the people of God? They were not united by faith. Not united by faith. There is always a component of faith. People say, "Well, well, Old Testament was just a law, and New Testament is where you just, you know, believe in Jesus. No, no. Belief in Jesus has been there since Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Belief, having faith, has been a key part of what we are called to as believers. And so now here's the question. Can you believe in me when your world is crazy? Can you have faith in me when your world is crazy? When it seems like everybody is going totally berserk. Where is your faith in me? People of God experience that total craziness. And and let's not act like we don't get it. Have you ever had a a, 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 a toothache? Raise your hand if you've had a toothache before. Now, there's there's a few things out there that that can hurt. You know what I'm saying? You bang that baby toe on the bed, that'll get you. You know what I'm saying? Little kid, slam your pinky finger in the door, mm, that'll get you. You know? But if you got a toothache, I'm talking about a bad toothache, somebody would be talking, you'd be like, mm-mm, mm-mm, my tooth, you're talking too much. <laughs> you start making up stuff, you know what I'm saying? Look, look at them flowers growing, quit, quit, quit growing flower. My tooth. You know what I'm saying? You just start making up stuff. When that pain hit, don't nothing else matter. When that pain hits, it will cover over everything. And, and, and the writer here is trying to trying to get them to see that wait a minute, you are going through some extreme pain. I mean, can you imagine being in the old testament and literally? Walking on sand, not seeing food anywhere, being out, having desert conditions, then, then wild wilderness. like you, you are in some crazy scenarios, and yet God is saying, I got you. Will you believe? Will you, will, will you trust me? Some of us know the, the scariness that comes with that. The, the fear that comes with that, as we've left jobs where we were like, man, this job is the worst, but I got to step out on faith. God, I know you got me. Some of us have had to leave bad relationships we were in. And you're like, but I, but I care about this person. And, and all. But I know this is not good for me. God, I know this is not what you would have. And you step out on faith. Some of us have been in some situations that are dire. Here's the question, though. Does it lead to an unbelieving faith? Or does it lead you to cling that much closer to Christ? See, this is what rest looks like. This is what he's calling us to. This is the rest that the Lord wants us to have. And it starts and ends with a belief in him and who he is. Continue with me in verse six. Since therefore it remains for some to enter and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today saying through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is a, a, a communication of, of a change in benefits. All right, so, so before there was an experience that the people of God were able to have in the Old Testament where they were able to experience and walk into Canaan. They were going to get rest. They were going to get care. They were going to get comfort. They were going to get protection. An unbelieving heart over time led to disobedience, which led to the Lord saying, yes, a portion of you will not be experiencing that rest. And so now we're in the book of Hebrews and the Hebrew writer is seeing people go through all types of persecution, getting beat up. And he's saying, hey, the rest that they were going to experience in Caden is actually available for you even though you are going through persecution. And guess where you find it? In Jesus. You find it in Christ. Whatever it is that is coming up against you, you are going to find it in this new covenant, a covenant where your benefits are not a new location, a new place, a new actual external land. It's going to be a transformation of your heart. And that transformation is going to lead you to experience a new heavenly reward, a new heavenly hope. It's interesting that, that, that pain becomes manageable when you know pain will end. I have had that toothache where I'm like, ready, ready to break all y'all necks. But when the dentist says, yes, we can get you in by tomorrow at 8, like, okay, I just got to get through till tomorrow at 8. And somehow being in a place where I don't know what's going to change this, moving it to actually I have a deadline where I'm going to get the help I need gives me the fortitude, the ability, the determination to push forward. It makes it somehow manageable. Is the toothache any different? No. It ain't no different. But somehow, within me, knowing I'm going to have a time and a place for help, I can persevere. The Hebrew writer is doing that for the people of God. He's saying, "Look, look, 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 look. I know you're going through some stuff. But as Pastor Kevin preached earlier, but don't worry. I'm going to restore all things. Don't worry. The pain you're experiencing is going to be taken. Don't worry. I am your rest. And I will be with you at the end, and I will step into your situation right now. I am your rest. So now will you take advantage of the choice? Will you choose to be still in me? Will you choose to be silent in me? Will you choose to actually stop trying to find your way and trust all these other things and rest and listen and hear my voice? That's the essence of what a hardened heart is. A hardened heart is when you choose to do it your way or some other human's way versus listening to God who is the one who makes our hearts soft, who wants to lead you. There was never a separation between heart and mind in in the Bible. It's like, yes, I love you. Cool, then do what I say. I understand you. Cool, then have your heart love me. Like there was always this beautiful mashup of mind and heart working in unison. But today, y'all, we got some stuff that tries to steal away our, our rest. Don't, don't, don't. Don't get it twisted. If you were to simply focus on these scriptures in Hebrews chapter 4, he's trying to paint the picture of Christ being your heavenly reward, and that's enough. But because I'm your pastor, today there are some things that we struggle with too. And there are other areas where Jesus talks about being able to deal with the things of today. Can I list a few stressors that are going on where we need rest today? Can I say one of them is physical rest? One of them is physical rest, y'all. We need naps. We need naps. We need, we need naps. It is is what it is. You know, if you ever babysat a kid or if you ever had a kid and the kid is coming up and you got the daily routine, this is what we do, this is what we do. You done gave this kid carrots for the past three weeks. Today, the kid take the carrots and throw them at you. Why? Baby need a nap. When a baby need a nap, it don't, your routine don't matter. Your kind little fuzzies don't matter. Your cocoa melon don't matter. Don't nothing matter? Right. When the baby need a nap, the only thing that matters is you get them rest. And here's, here's what's beautiful, right? I don't care if you're babysitting, it's you a parent. When the child gets rest, guess who else gets blessed? Come on, Monica, somebody in here, you get rest. You see the beauty of that. And God finds delight when we are choosing to say, you know what? I'm arresting you, God. It, It benefits me and it blesses you. This is a win win. Because I'm saying no matter what these voices are around me, you are greater. My awe and honor is of you above everything else. And so I will rest in you. But guess what? I feel better. I get to reset my mind with all these tops that I'm spending and say, you know what? If they fall, they fall. But God got me. And what ultimately matters is that I'm in the will of God. Not that I'm able to pull off all the things that I want to pull off. And some of us get deprived in having the opportunity to allow the Lord to reset us because physically we don't have any rest. And I say that not of people who struggle with getting physical rest because there are a lot of things happening in our world, whether it's, you know, you have children that are feeding or, or medications you're adjusting to or new loved ones that are coming to live with you, like, like all types of... But I'm saying when we choose not to rest, when we choose to be busy before the Lord, when we choose not to be still and experience... Sabbath rest that he offers and he says this one is actually not one that you can like get an excuse for I modeled it for you if I could create kind of the whole world and whole universe stand back and rest I think what's on your plate you can rest from. If I if I can model that the whole universe is held by who I am and I've made the beautiful skies as well as the the stems on a leaf, stems on a tree, stems on a stems on a something, you know, if I as God could make all of that look beautiful. Then what what's going on in your world that you can't stand back and have rest from? We need physical rest, y'all. Submit that before the Lord. We need Mental rest. I was reading some some uh, authors that are doctors and psychiatrists, and they're saying, hey, like with, with all that we have going on, the many decisions that we're making throughout the day, some of us just need to take a break and walk away from it. What would happen if you took three five-minute breaks a day to not make decisions, to not be thinking about something, to not be, to just rest it's a fight to rest sometime but your mind can sometimes be like an engine and somebody's just pressing on the gas and what's it look like for you to provide space for the lord to just relieve a little bit last one is one that uh they've been doing a lot more studies on and it's actually our sensory responses Because you and I are staring at computer screens, we're looking at phones all day, there's billboards that are, like, we're getting these lights that's coming to us all day and they're saying it's causing headaches, it's causing depression, it's causing a lot. And what would it look like for you to just rest from it for a portion of the day? There's a lot of things, y'all. We can talk about emotional, we can talk about but, but the goal is that you would allow God's Sabbath rest to be a part of all that you do. You're a better leader. You're a better coworker. You're a better mother. You're a better father. You're a better when you rest. So let God and let us get the best of you. I stand here saying this to you guys, not as one who's saying it because I have arrived at it. I struggle with resting. And, and I struggle with resting because of the lie that I believe that I've got good reasons not to rest because I want to make sure my kids are cool and I enjoy being with my kids and, and I want to study and have this sermon done and I, and I also want to go out and care for people in the, in the community and I want aren't, to aren't, aren't, can't the reasons be good? Can, can't even good things be distractions? Never forget my, my, my first accident excuse me, my first near close accident Riding with the homies, we kicking it. Okay, where are we gonna go eat? I think we should go eat over there. Turn, look back. Oh, food is good, food is healthy. Food ain't good when you're supposed to be driving. You see, we can all have the distractions, and I almost want to ask you, I I have written here to, to write down on a piece of paper what distracts you from rest. What distracts you from rest? It's clear. It it comes right to you. You know what it is. And now, will you let somebody into it and hand them that paper? Pray for me on this. Walk with me on this. Because I want to do a lot. I want to see God glorified. I want to experience all that He would have for me, but I can't do it as an exhausted believer. And it's only a matter of time before you do damage to somebody. Your kidneys over here like, "Dude, could you rest?" Your family over here like, "Dude, could you rest?" Like every you, you affecting somebody something when you choose, when we choose, when I choose. Not to rest. And so family, God is offering to us this opportunity for Sabbath rest to think beyond just what's happening right now. This is a a heavenly vision. We are supposed to be seeing Christ as our our rest. But it has an effect today. Continue with me in these last verses, y'all. I'm going to get get you up out of here in a minute. Verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Basically saying, hey, if Joshua would have got everybody into the, to the land of rest, we wouldn't, even need a land of, we wouldn't even need rest. But he's saying, no, 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 that, that was never fully fulfilled. People never experienced the full rest that God had. And so there is a Sabbath rest today. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Notice verse 11, that second word, and it goes back to our sermon last week. Notice it doesn't say, let me therefore strive to enter that rest. Notice it doesn't say, I am going to therefore strive to enter that rest. Notice it says, let us... Let us, let this community together that's going to exhort one another, that's also going to ask, lean into, bring you and welcome you over to rest together. We're going to strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. How often have you heard that scripture? How often have you heard the scripture of the word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword? Did you know that it was couched in the, in the, in the, it was bathed in the understanding of rest? Did you know that God's word, we want to use it as, yeah, we're gonna go slay the enemy, and we're gonna go, maybe slaying the enemy starts with you resting. And being refueled in the Lord. Maybe being an overcomer and being victorious starts with us having our minds recalibrated to what God truly desires of us. Notice I'm saying us. Because I am with you. And verse 13, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This was a promise. So it's a promise. A promise that if you will hear this God who's offering rest unto you and you will respond by being silent, and resting in him. He, he, He responds, he answers our promise. He will meet our promise. He will fulfill the promise. Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all who are labor, who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Notice he doesn't say, come to me, all who are labor and heavy laden. And here is the strategy for working out, achieving rest. Here are the six things you need to do to experience rest. It goes back to those basics. Faith, belief, trust that I got you. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my my burden is light. And then Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 say this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which also is translated at times, the rest of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, we was in that honey house, y'all, and uh, everything was crazy, right? But then I remembered that before you go in the haunted house and they open the door, they say, okay, so if you should get lost, there is a uh, glow-in-the-dark green spray-painted line on the ground. Just follow that line. Just follow that line, and you will be able to get out. Now, I'm in the haunted house, and I don't know where to go, and this is what crept in my mind. They paint that line to get us more confused so they can scare me more. I ain't following that line. They ain't getting over on me. Because, see, I'm all discombobulated. No, let me, just, let me just follow the line. Let me just listen to the word that was spoken before I even entered into this situation. Let me just have faith. Boo boop. boop just as bright as it is in here, let me write out. Family, God is wanting us in the midst of situations where we don't know our way, where it is scary, where opposition is coming at us to trust and believe in him, believe that he is the one guiding our hearts, believe that he is the one that loves us enough to die for us, believe that he is the one That doesn't want your heart hardened. Why? So that you can bring him glory through rest and so that he can see you operating in the way that he's created you. As his beautiful image bearer walking in Sabbath rest. I ain't saying it's easy. But I'm saying it's achievable. I'm saying that we can do this. This is one that he gives us where he says, okay, I'm going to just lay it out for you. Let's start with you before you leave. You online, consider someone in the room. Consider someone in our church that you're cool with. I encourage you, ask you, beg of you. Send someone a text today that says, here are two things that hinder me from experiencing rest. Pray for me. Tell me what I said, y'all. Amen. All right see when everybody said uh, when you get nine different ways, somebody heard it, all right, that's good. I love it. All right, y'all, because it said, let us strive. We are going to strive for this together. Let's pray. I'm convicted, Lord. Convicted because my daughters sometimes will say, Daddy, what does what Sabbath rest look like for our family? And sometimes I don't have an answer. But I believe I believe in you. I believe you got us. I believe that submitting my way to your way is most important, and I believe that for all of our body. I also believe in the power of prayer and that this body will pray for one another and we will strive towards the mark together, sometimes falling, sometimes stumbling, but picking each other up. I pray, Lord, that you would show up in these texts that will happen. And if you're a person at home watching, simply send your number in and we will connect you with someone or send us your prayer request, and we will be praying for you and with you. If you are a person here and you say, but I don't know anybody's number, come see me, I'll get you somebody's number. Because our goal, Lord, is for you to be glorified and for us to experience the Sabbath rest that you offer. It's for our good and to bless your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.